All the signs have different personalities and then all the planets have different roles that they play as well. So we just start comparing, okay, like if when you were born, if the sun was, you know, in the sun, the sun signs is the one we refer to as the most. I'll, I'll share about that too. So when people say like, what's your sign, right? Technically we have more than one sign because, you know, that's just how our charts broken down. But the sun sign is the most popular because the sun sign is our masculine and it's who we are during the day. So we've tended to kind of identify with the sun sign for those two reasons. But I think we're starting to recognize I'm more than just masculine and I'm more than just who I am during the day. And as we as a society open up to that idea, we're starting to open up to, well, what's your moon sign? What sign was the moon in when you were born? The moon sign is your feminine. Who are you at night? Who are you behind closed doors? Maybe a little bit different than who you are by day. And so we start to break all these things down as a way to kind of um, unearth and access different elements of the ways that we show up and the ways that we actually don't show up. Hello and welcome to episode number 14 of the WooCast with Danielle Mercurio. My name is Mackie. And I'm Juliet. And we are here to talk about all things weird, weird and, and woo-woo. Nice. I'm going to start doing that with you from now on. I like it. <laughs> Danielle Mercurio is paving the way for self-help and spirituality to be recognized as a sustainable force within a modern society. As a confidence coach and speaker, a meditation teacher, and astrologist, Danielle empowers individuals to be successful, intentional, and live life on purpose. I loved having her on the show. She's someone who I've been following for a little while and listening to her talk. And when I say talk, real talk, she's very unfiltered, which I definitely can get down with that personality. I think I have a little bit of that in me too. And she... We talked all things astrology, which for a lot of us who have dabbled into this and had readings before, you learn about yourself and like what your sun sign is and perhaps your moon and your rising. But beyond that, we might not know as much as we really could about this incredible tool. And so we talk about those aspects of ourself and your chart and what is astrology. I look at this as like an astrology 101 class in this episode, which was really awesome and just left me craving and wanting more. So hope you guys enjoy the show and definitely stick around. I would say around minute 20 when we really get into this thing called your soul's purpose, why you chose this lifetime, what the heck you're doing here. That is where it gets really juicy. So hope you guys enjoy. Danielle Mercurio, welcome to the WooCast. Hello, hello. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah. yeah. Welcome from Asheville. That's where you are right now, visiting for a little while. Mm-hmm. Though in real time, when everyone listens to this, I'm going to be somewhere else. Oh, nice. Very exciting. I know that you're like traveling right now. You just kind of decided to do this excursion. What is, uh, what's the plan or is there a plan? <laughs> Uh, yes and no, right? I mean, what's the plan for this year anyway? You can ask anybody that. What's the plan? Oh, I don't know. We'll see, right? So mm-hmm. I figure I might as well do that with the home front, right? Yeah. Um, but for me, like I've done this before about five years ago. I went out to California with a plan that I thought I was going to find a place to live. And, and then it just, it turned into like one short-term rental at a time. And it was just 
fun and easy. And I was like, why am I pushing this? Why am I like, I kept pressuring myself to be like, okay, well, when are you going to find your home? And I'm like, but I'm having a great time, like trying out different places in California. Um, and then eventually I did wind up getting a home and I actually didn't like it, which then brought me to Philadelphia, which I did like. Um, and I, I was in Philly for three years. I went to Temple. So I, I've been in, I've had many lives in Philadelphia. Um, but this past three years I was in Philly and it was going really well yet at the same time with everything that went down with 2020, I found that I wasn't getting the exchange with Philadelphia that like I grew to love and like, you know, speaking's not happening right now. Um, in-person events, which are the things that I really live for. So when my landlord told me she was selling my place instead of looking for another one, I was like, what if I just literally in a year of continued uncertainty, allow myself to be in that flow and, get in my car and Airbnb makes it so easy to just find places that I can temporarily make my home and explore and make the best of this. All. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it makes it easy when the landlord's like, I'm selling the place. You're like, well, I guess that's a sign, you know, Choice I'm just going to go for myself. Yeah. And I had been questioning it. It wasn't like I was completely like almost shocked when she told me then back in my mind, I was kind of starting to count down the months of my lease, not thinking I was going to do this, but I was just like, I don't know if this is going to be the right fit for me anymore. Again, given the the ways that life has changed, my home needs have changed too. So it was already on my mind. So when she sent it, I really didn't fall over that much, to be honest. I was like, all right, cool. Got my got my clue into what's next. Or I mean, where we're I'm in the same work. exact boat with Philadelphia as well. I mean, we've loved it here. I've been here since 2006. but you know, we do in-person fitness and that doesn't happen anymore. So it's, you know, we're, we're looking to be in nature as well. Yeah, definitely. And like, you know, I'm, I've been so, it's been great moving to virtual as much as it can be. But again, when you're in a city, it's harder to record things, city noise, just some of the stuff is, is a little bit different. So. Oh yeah. They're all, we always talk about like the fire trucks or ambulances. That There's at be- least one siren in every episode. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've only heard one siren in the last like 20 days and wow. it's like, amazing we hear one at least once a night for sure yeah well i i'm from new york city i grew up in manhattan so i would okay. joke that the sirens would lull me to sleep as a baby but you know just to make myself feel a little bit better about it but i mean the the truth is when i get in nature and why you know when our lease is up in may we're being super called to go there is it just it has a different it's just a different vibration when you're there when you're in for me it's like it really has to do with being in the woods like i just need to be around trees and it is a has a healing property to it that no even amount of movement practice yoga meditation can you can't get it just from that but if you're doing all that and you're in nature holy crap it's amazing. Yeah. The way, like the things that I've been releasing and shedding, I just, I've been trying to get to this past year and it just hasn't happened. And literally over like the last week, I mean, I feel like I've been like purging venom out of my body <laughs> and then the mouth just like, you know, stops it all up. So. So tell me, I would love to know a little bit about your background. What got you into the woo world? Got me into the woo world. Well, I didn't grow up in a woo household, Um, grew up in kind of the Catholic environment, typical, like go to church every Sunday, do all the things. And I never quite connected with that vibration, if you will. I probably didn't call it a vibration at the time, but um, I love the idea of God. I love the idea of that, that energy, that, that nurture that someone's looking out for us. Um, But I never felt called to the ways that it was applied in the Catholic faith. Um, But when I was like five years old, 
I was at the grocery store and they used to have these scrolls in the checkout aisles with your astrological sign. Did you ever see those? They'd mm-hmm. be like little, little scrolls. Oh yeah, we always look through those in the grocery store, like a shop right or something. Totally, exactly. So here I was like five years old or something, you know, my mom checking out, my brother's in the little shopping cart, my younger brother. And I see this and I see August and I see it says Leo. And I was like, oh my God, I need this. Like, I was like, I have to have it. So I showed my mom and she literally looked at me and was like, that's not for you. Put it back. Like that look like not for you. And I was like, but I need it. So when she wasn't looking, I put it in my pocket and I took it home with me. Oh, fiery little thing. I know. (laughs) It was something took over me. It was my destiny. And uh, I still remember this day, like going home and opening a little scroll. And like from what I could make of it, reading about being a Leo and saying like, you're going to be in the spotlight and um, you're going to help other people and you're going to be a leader. And, you know, I I just, I loved everything it was saying. And I was like, oh my God, when I grow up, I'm going to be a Leo. And I thought it was the coolest thing. And then I started to realize like when you went to the bookstore, there were certain sections or when you go to the library, you could go to the new age or the occult and you could read about astrology. And for me, because I didn't feel very connected to my outside environment, I didn't really know, again, what I wanted to do when I grew up besides being a Leo. And I didn't feel connected to my, you know, the Catholicism piece. So I would go and hide like all day long in these bookstores and read about being a Leo. And then I started reading about the other signs and it became my personal psychology. It became a way for me to understand myself and understand other people. Um, And I didn't realize it, but help, you know, access my ability to read people as well. And so, you know, I continue to just kind of go through my life bopping along, not really thinking astrology was going to be my thing, right? Like I wasn't going to like set up shop at the boardwalk with like a neon sign or something. But I, I, I felt so clueless. And I felt clueless for a really long time. I did go to Temple University for elementary ed, kind of just going through the motions. Like, again, like, I, I was a good teacher. And I could have done it, but deep down, I was just like, this isn't it. But the problem was, is I didn't know what was. And, you know, so it was like that cluelessness of like knowing like, this isn't the thing, but everyone's saying this is the thing. And everyone's saying like, you know, just follow this timeline, right? And you'll find your happiness. You'll, you know, and I'm like, I'm not getting happier. I don't think this is fulfilling. There's no man that's coming to save me and like marry me. So what's going on here, right? Like, how am I going to figure this out? And so I kind of just stumbled along for a while after college. I didn't go um, ahead and move forward with teaching. I was waiting tables and just kind of finding random jobs. And the more that I felt disconnected to really understanding what my place was in the world, the more I lost sight of that Leo identity and the more I fell into addiction. And I call it escapism. I really wasn't addicted to one thing in particular. I was addicted to the idea of being able to escape my life. So if that was like drinking, if that was men, if it was shopping, if it was food, it didn't matter. Anything that could kind of numb me out from having to deal with the fact that like my life looked dark and I didn't know how to figure it out. And I didn't know how to receive support. I would go to therapy, again, going through the motions, nothing was clicking. And so it wasn't until I was around 26, I wanna say, mid 20s, um, I was at a friend's wedding and got very wasted, um, wound up getting taken advantage of. And it was just to the point where like enough things happened in that night to make me recognize like, I still am so freaking clueless about my life, but I know this time I need to figure out what's up and I need to get help. And for the first time I was really willing to like go there, to go to that place of what help could look like. And so I found group coaching. I took there, I found a really great therapist, took it seriously. And then eventually as I started to 
I, you know, I, I very much don't talk about self-love or positivity. Like, you know, people saying like, just put notes on your mirror saying you love yourself. I'm like, that, that's not what it took. Like it didn't take me like pumping myself up to like fall in love with myself. It took me just literally learning how to be okay with the fact that I was clueless, be okay with the fact that I didn't even know who I was, be okay with the fact that I was used to judging myself all the time. And the more that I just fell into this like self neutrality, the more it led me to a place of acceptance, which then eventually led me to a place of starting to learn how to like myself, which then led me to a place of like being like, wait, I need to help other people learn this too, which then led me to finding life coaching and then long story medium, basically, got into the life coaching world, loved it, but couldn't quite get my foot in the door in the way I wanted. I wasn't able to, um, at the time I actually was uh, executive coach for a law firm. I picked up that job, which was great actually, because it gave me stability and helped me invest in what I do today. But um, the coaching wasn't like quite picking up the way I wanted. And I kept hearing in the back of my mind, why don't you infuse the astrology? And I was too scared. I was like, that's too woo. People will not take me seriously. They already don't know what a life coach is. And now I'm going to say I'm an astrologer and a life coach. Like they're going to totally check out. Um, and so, but nothing was working. Like I was working on my life coaching business for like two years. I really wasn't making any strides. And so I was just like, all right, let me put a video up on YouTube about like what's happening this month in astrology. And I had a regular YouTube video that got about 12 views a video. So that, that's where nice. we're at. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's probably like me hitting the refresh 11 times. And <laughs> I know how that goes. Yeah, yeah. So um, (laughs) I upload the video and it got like 200 views, which for me, like, that was like, that was a, I mean, even now, like, that's a huge deal, right? And so um, I kept doing them. And then someone reached out and was like, I want a reading from you. And I was like, okay. So cool. Yeah. They're like, how much? I'm like, $100. Oh my God. I spent like all day on that freaking thing, like, preparing for it. but it was great because again, it, it, I realized how much, how helpful it was. I realized what an icebreaker and a tool it is for coaching, right? And and you know, the more that I just allowed myself to again fall into that space of self acceptance, but this time with my gifts, things just started opening up. And then it was just like the fast track. Once I accepted the astrology, coaching came into play. Um, my other gifts started to be more activated, um, and just been in been in the realm of this for full-time almost seven years now. Amazing. Um, yeah, yeah, and it's it's been awesome. So that's, that's kind of the the journey, if you will. I love um, that. I love that it was this thing that you had in you already from when you were a child, but it sort of laid dormant for all these years, which happens, I think, to a lot of us. I know lately as I'm starting to like really get a lot of downloads and activations with you know, like opening myself up to going back into the coaching world because I, you know, prior was just, I owned a business and now I'm, I have, I don't have it anymore. I'm like, now I'm my business. I can do what I don't have employees anymore. I can do what I want to do. Um, but I've been having, when, as I've been meditating, I've been noticing a lot of these visualizations of me as a child and Mm. reconnecting to the spirit of this little girl who was so curious and so into the other realms and, you know, and other possibilities. And I remember always going to esoteric bookstores and, you know, witchcraft stores and, you know, and being fascinated by all the material, you know, wasn't, didn't really know how to like read it or anything, but just looking at the pictures or picking up the different crystals and just, you know, it's, it's, it's wonderful. And then you oftentimes 
with adulting kind of lose that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's great to hear that, you know, it was just something you were doing when you were a kid. And then it was like, all right, this is let's we can't fight this. This is. And when you stopped fighting it, the universe was like, here you go. Here. Yeah. Here it is. And it was, I was able to present it in a way that actually wasn't woo woo at all. Right. Like, you know, when we, th- when a lot of people are always afraid of that, I, I work with a lot of individuals that are spiritual entrepreneurs and want to get themselves out there and they're afraid of that. And I always say, well, first of all, like the person that you want to work with isn't someone that you have to convince about spirituality. They're already here for it. They're already excited about it. And so I think we we're scared of being woo woo because we're trying to attract the wrong person. Like I was scared of being woo-woo because I was scared of what my dad would think. I was scared of what someone from high school would think. But you know what? I don't want to work with my dad. Right. He's not my ideal client. That person from high school probably isn't my ideal client. So like I had to get into that mindset of like recognizing that it wasn't that I was woo. It was just that I was trying to woo the wrong people. And then once I kind of dismissed that notion, it got a lot easier. Yeah. Um, I would love for our listeners who maybe are not that familiar with astrology to just get a little bit of, and I know, you know, there's different practitioners out there about how you view it and what you look at. Um, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Okay. So I follow, um, Western astrology. There's a couple others, the uh, Vedic and, uh, side reels, another one, but Western astrology is essentially the one that we follow for the most part, the one you see in the newspaper. Um, I believe we're in a Western world. I identify as a Western woman. So a Western astrology for me. So how I like to describe it is we all have this Zodiac wheel and the Zodiac wheel is 360 degrees. And it has all 12 signs on it. it. Starts with Aries, goes to Taurus, Gemini, so on forth, until we get all the way around to Pisces at the top. And we want to pretend that this zodiac wheel is now a game board. And we want to imagine that this game board is underneath the solar system. And every day, the sun, the moon, and the planets all move around the zodiac wheel, the game board, at different paces. So to get your birth chart, what we do is we go back in time. We go back to the day, the minute, if possible, that you were born, and we take a screenshot of that game board and we see where all the planets are and we relate their energy to what sign they were in to give you more meaning into your personality what you came here for what you came to learn from the different relationships that they have to each other and then we take that blueprint or that screenshot and we take it to current time that's how we get horoscopes so if you want to know what's going on for 2021 we take your screenshot we put it on top of 2021 screenshot and we see okay what's lining up what's not lining up what seems to be non-existent and we're able to kind of create a framework for how your year may go um and so that's kind of the essence of of how astrology works and then all of basically all the signs have different personalities and then all the planets have different roles that they play as well so we just start comparing okay like if when you were born if the sun was you know in the sun the sun signs the one we refer to is the most I'll, i'll share about that too so when people say like what's your sign right technically we have more than one sign because you know that's just how our charts broken down, but the sun sign is the most popular because the sun sign is our masculine and it's who we are during the day. So we've tended to kind of identify with the sun sign for those two reasons, but I think we're starting to recognize I'm more than just masculine and I'm more than just who I am during the day. And as we as a society open up to that idea, we're starting to open up to, well, what's your moon sign? What sign was the moon in when you were born? The moon sign is your feminine. Who are you at night? Who are you behind closed doors? maybe a little bit different than who you are by day. And so we start to break all these things down as a way to kind of um, unearth and access different elements of the ways that we show up and the ways that we actually don't show up, um, so to speak. So that's, that's essentially how it works when we, we navigate it. Yeah. And I'm curious um, how you believe it interplays with this idea 
of kind of choosing your lifetime. You know, I've been talking about this in a couple episodes now as I'm starting to wrestle with this idea. You know, I'm I'm definitely I don't have one um, belief about like, this is definitely why we're here and why we're experiencing this, you know, um, could be a cup, could be many things, but this idea of, all right, we're choosing to incarnate. And so are we choosing to be, you know, are you choosing to be a Leo? Are you choosing to be born on that day and come in with those expressions and those personalities? Absolutely. You are. So I, I believe that. I mean, it's layered, of course, and there's so many different elements to it all. But I do believe that your soul chose the very second that you were meant to be born. So like, for example, people are like, oh, I was born premature. I was supposed to be, you know, a Virgo. No, no, no. You chose to be born premature. You chose that to be your first breath, right? Whenever you took your first breath, whatever, you know, same thing when people are like, I'm a cuss sign. No, you're whatever sign this, you know, that your chart was in when you were born. So here's how I believe it works. When it's time to come down into this life, um, you sit down with the universe, you sit down with Saturn. Saturn is our planet of contracts. And you kind of create a timeline of what you're going to do on this earth. So you sit down, you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So in this lifetime, I have to learn this. Um, I'm going to meet these people to teach me that. I'm going to meet this person to help me. I'm going to fall into this position to support me here. And it plays all out. And then it's like, that might not work. And if that doesn't work, then here are some backup plans. And then some backup plans upon that. So it's a very layered, multi-dimensional contract that you fill out. But you look through it and you're like, you know what? This sounds great. I want to come to earth. 2020 sounds awesome. I can handle that. No big deal. I got this. Let's do it, right? So you sign the contract, you choose the time that you want to be born, and you come into the world. And as you come into the world, you take that first breath, you breathe in the energy of the cosmos in that moment, you literally are breathing in your birth chart. So you are taking on that energy of what the universe was doing in that very moment that you were born, which then activates your truth, who you are, your path, how you're going to live your and embody your human journey, and work with the contract along the way. So that's one layer of it. Then we have this thing called the Saturn return. You either of you heard of that? I have gone through I've it. I've heard of it, but I don't know what it is. I've okay. gone through it. I know what yeah. it is. I know what it feels like. <laughs> yeah, I have as well. So when I was telling that story about like the wedding, when I had that rock bottom, that was during my Saturn return. So Saturn, as I mentioned, helped you write that contract. Now, Saturn moves very slow. Um, you know, typically it takes a year for the sun to go around the zodiac wheel. Every year when you have your birthday, the sun is back in the same spot it's in when you were born. Saturn takes anywhere from 26 to 30 years to go around the zodiac wheel. So if you were born and Saturn was in Scorpio, by the time you're in your late 20s will be the first time that Saturn comes back into Scorpio. Now what's going to happen during that time window is Saturn's going to say, hey, it's me. I've given you some space. I've given you some time to work on what you want to do in this life. Let's have a little review, shall we? And Saturn will start to show you what you are doing right and what you aren't doing right. And so a lot of times during the Saturn return, you will be challenged, you will be made to see things, um, you will uncover blind spots. And the hope is that you'll get back on track, that you'll recognize where you're in, um, not in alignment, and also open up to where you could be. And Saturn will, you know, make it very clear. And it will also reward you if you are doing a good job and moving forward. So that's a big piece of it. So in your lifetime, um, you'll have anywhere from two to three Saturn returns. Mm. So late twenties, early fifties, and then like in your eighties. But at that point, like, yeah, what's a Saturn return in the eighties for? I, I don't know. I mean, I haven't done research, but I'm curious how many deaths are connected to Saturn return. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Like, is that when you're done? I, 
I, I don't really do death Is that charts. when you're all of a sudden like connecting with the other, you know, spirit world and they're coming in and they're like, hey, yeah, remember this? Yeah. Remember the contract you made? We're here to to take you out of it. You're done. No, we're here to take you away. <laughs> the yeah. contract is over. Yeah, that would definitely be an interesting project, but it's not my. So let's talk mine. about this idea of contracts is really interesting <laughs> to me. Um, so you're you're saying so who are you meeting with to have this contract? Is it so guides of yours? Yeah. So it'll be your guides will be a part of it. Um, it's also likely that your future self or yourself from other lifetimes will show up to be a part of it as well. Um, because when you're making this contract, technically there's no time, but in that moment you're saying, okay, in earth, in that 3d reality, this is the timestamps that they will have. So we will make it in accordance to that. But that's why your other, your future selves, your past lives, they could show up to be a part of it too, because they have Intel into how this life could best form. Your guides can be there, any um, guardian angels. Um, again, the planetary influences um, like Saturn can be a part of it. Um, that's that's kind of the essence who may show up. Um, I think that's about it. I don't think any like ascended, some people like, I don't think ascended masters are like, potentially the only other people that could show up are other people that are going to be part of the lifetime with you. Again, almost like yeah. I like to think that there's like a volunteer session of like, <laughs> okay, who's going to break my heart? Oh, I'll do that. Right. Like, oh who's going to marry me? I'll do that. You know what I mean? So <laughs> I think there's kind of like a little powwow going on in that way. It's um, almost like uh, in elementary school when you're like doing a play or something, you're like, oh, I'll play this part. I'll play that part. Yeah. I like that analogy. Yeah. It could <laughs> totally be like that. And I mean, again, this is all just theories right yeah, so the theory theory around this because when you started start when you said okay like astrology is something that i'm really being called to learn about and do more of a deep dive and i want to help other people with this it's really supporting me when we're talking about this whole contract idea was this all in relation to the things that you were learning about when you were learning astrology or is this separate you know these are separate theories that are, that are unrelated or it's all interconnected and from what you've studied and learned yeah, I think it's all interconnected. Um, you know, for me, I've recognized in this lifetime that I am meant to be a teacher. I got, a, you know, again, even the fact that I did elementary ed, I was on the right track. It just wasn't, I wasn't meant to be limited to one space, so to speak. Um, so we keep getting all these different clues. And so astrology started as my learning tool, but then it became something that I knew I was also supposed to be the teacher of, right? Some things were given to absorb for our own healing and that we're learning or whatever it may be, and then move on. Other things we identify with so much that we become the master of and then we become the teacher of um and you know i think we have to remember that no matter what we have free will with this we have a choice we can decide if we want to move forward with it or not yeah definitely i will you know i was thinking about an incredible astrology reading that i had with um a shaman that is really that does astrology as well and he was saying that you know you're meant to go through a lot of trauma in your early childhood to transmute it to be able to help other people. And you're also meant to be working with nutrition. And I'm just like chuckling because, you know, that is when I was in my early 20s, what I went to school for and what I studied and what I was so passionate about. But part of it was because I was on my own healing journey from having really poor self-esteem and body image issues and disordered eating. And I wanted to be able to master this idea of like, how do I eat for perfection and to like, you know, look bet look better and which then turned into a passion about holistic wellness and like teaching other people. And then I 
kind of left it behind as the business took over in the fitness world. And I started becoming more about building a business, growing a business, you know, and, mm-hmm. and then, uh, as I, when I finally left the business, when I saw him and he brought that up, I was, I just chuckled to myself because all of a sudden I'm having all these people reach out that want me to work with them on their nutrition. And I'm like, but I left this behind, but, but I didn't because it's a part of my life path is to help people with this. and you know, we do have free will. So if I didn't enjoy, if I don't enjoy it, I don't have to do it. But there is a part of it that feels like really natural. And when I talk to people about it in the same way, I know that when you are talking to people about astrology, they get it. They light up when you're saying it because it's coming through you. Right. And so when I'm doing talks on nutrition and I'm talking about kale, you know, like it's not boring to people. They're like, wow, that's so cool. And I'm like, it is cool, you know, and mm-hmm. because it's not even some of it's not even like by choice that I get like all jazzed up and fired up about the topic. Yeah, it's an, yeah. it's interesting. Yeah, you're being fed literally your your channel, your unique. You know, I, I think we all have this like unique blueprint, but also that comes with that unique blueprint is a channel that we get to stream from. So like when you're on stage and you're doing your thing, you're streaming from your channel now, you know, you've opened that up. But it takes time, right? We can't all like, sure, could, you know, could I have stepped on a stage the first day I discovered this and said I wanted to be a teacher? Yes, would have been fine. Yes. But the more that I stepped into it, the more that I grew, the more I had access to myself, clearly the clearer the channel that it becomes. Yeah. And I love when you talk about in the beginning, when you had that first person reach out and ask for the reading and you were like, okay, $100. And then you were like, it's been all day working on it's like, yes, everyone, we all are beginners, we all have to have a beginner's mindset, you know, and as you continue to do things that it becomes more and more comfortable and easy. But, you know, it's the same. I think back to when I was meeting with people, you know, private practice nutrition in my early 20s. I'm like, oh, my God, I can't even believe I was doing that at that time. And every time was terrifying Well, for a lot of it and took so much energy out of me because yeah. it was all so new. And I would and I cared so much and not that you care any less, but it's just the comfort zone isn't there yet. Exactly. But, you know, we all we all have to start. And a lot of people are afraid to start or afraid to have the discomfort in the beginning. Yeah, because they don't know how. That's what I hear all the time. Well, I don't know how. I don't know. I don't know how to get to where you are. I don't know, you know, what the first step is. And so I find that that holds people back a lot. And then also the fear of can I actually do this? Right. Can I deliver to this other person what what they need to receive? And I really believe that, like, people will show up at different places in your life. Like that first person that wanted a reading from me, she wanted that version of Danielle, right? The version of Danielle that spent all day that had never done it before. Of course, I didn't tell her any of those things, but like- She energy- hears you now, Danielle. <laughs> <laughs> I want my money back from seven years, I mean, whatever it was. Arguably, <laughs> arguably it's a better reading because you spent all day working Oh my God, right? I would think back to how much energy and effort and research you, you put into it. I know I really did. I really did. Um, yeah. So I think, you know, you have to remember that like whoever is showing up is ready for whatever you have to offer. As long as you, you know, take it seriously and prepare and do the best you can, they are going to get what they need. And it's just going to keep kind of growing as you grow. The type of person you attract meets that energy too. Yeah. So we come in, we have these soul contracts. We have, we take our breath we have all of these, you know, personality traits that are sort of in like innate and mm-hmm. are a part a part of who we who we're supposed to be. 
And then there's also this collective energy, like you're talking about the, you know, where the planets are and that changes from month to month, year to year. We're in a crazy shift right now. I'd love to talk about that um, in terms of the age of Aquarius. I think a lot of people have heard this and I, and I've been doing my own little bit of like, just listening to podcasts, reading about it. But I think it's one of those things to be like, oh, that sounds really cool. You know, like we're in, the, well, there's a song age of Aquarius. I did hair the play when I was younger. So I remember, I remember that. Um, but yeah, let's talk about the age of Aquarius because. Yeah. Yeah. I love the age of Very telling for like what's going on. Yes. So the age of Aquarius came to be um, in the last century. So basically when you hear new age, the new agers in the sixties and the seventies, then we're talking about crystal revelations and astrology came to be in yoga, all these different forms of being able to help yourself and connecting to the celestial cosmic sphere started to come to be because it was believed that in 2012, we would be entering the age of Aquarius. So the new agers, we're helping get the word out. We're helping to get us prepared for what that was. Now, before we can really entertain the idea of the age of Aquarius, what happened before that? Okay, so um, the ages in astrology, they're about 2,000 years long, and they act in retrograde. So starting when Jesus came to be, we were entering the age of Pisces. So in zero BC, we moved into the age of Pisces, Jesus came to be. Jesus came to be, and we're putting religion to the side, because the world before that was in the age of Aries, which was all about war and the ego and selflessness. Everyone was chaotic. No one knew what to do. Community wasn't possible. Things were all over the place. So leaders like Jesus came to be to say, hey, you need a teacher. You need someone to help you calm down. You need someone to help you see the bigger picture. You need someone to help you activate your faith and believe in God. And with Jesus, that came to be, so did religion, right? More religions popped up in the last 2000 years than ever before. That's all because of the age of Pisces. Age of Pisces also gave us permission to even entertain the idea of being a teacher, of you know showing up and saying like, I'm gonna be you know doing this and not because someone told you me, but because I feel like I'm supposed to do this. All that came from the Pisces age. But then what started to happen was you start to see people taking advantage of that. People, cult leaders coming to be, um, individuals that are saying like, I'm your guru, reoccurring teachers that aren't letting people go. You know, all these like religions that were getting too extreme, too hardcore, and people were finding themselves kind of at the mercy of other people. We see it in politics as well, giving too much power to one individual. What could happen, right? Seeing, you know, narcissism, seeing so many things reflected in our leadership, and we're seeing how it got out of hand. That giving the teacher too much power is actually not a good thing. So the age of Aquarius, the reset that started in 2012 was with the notion of, hey, actually there's been enough teachers, there's been enough religions, we're good. It's time to sit down and figure out who are you in all of this? And if you were a teacher of your own regard, what would that look like? So the age of Aquarius is you are the teacher, you have the truth inside of you. But how do we get that out? How are we gonna get that communicated? Well, the age of Aquarius is also Technology is bigger than it's ever been before. Technology is the gateway to get us this information to understand how we can activate our truth and how we can get things out into the world in our own accordance. You still can be the teacher. You can still show up for people, but it's with the understanding of, I'm going to show up and teach you and help you so that then you can go do the same for someone else or that you can help yourself and then you won't be dependent on me. I'm going to help you help yourself so you can keep going. It's not, I'm going to help you and then I'm never going to let you go. 
Okay. So there's, there's gotta be that, that switch. Yeah. Model. I was just thinking how much I love, I'm doing a Reiki training right now mm-hmm. and how much I love this idea of the lineage of who your teacher was, who their teacher was, who their teacher was. And you can see the list and like, you can see the origin of who the first person that they can trace back, who is the right. original, you know, person who launched Reiki and you can trace it all the way back to who the last teacher is. And then my name goes next on the list. Yes. And then the next person under me, I'm like, that is so cool. Yes, it's like passing the baton in like a really groovy way. Yeah. So yeah, so when it was activated in 2012, you know, that was the start of it, but it's going to take time. Again, it's a 2000 year age. And we just started it. Literally just started it. But it's cool because many of us chose to be born in the age of of Pisces and transition Mm -hmm. us into the age of Aquarius. So anyone that's listening right now that was born, you know, um, before 2012, you made that choice. You made that decision. I think and everyone's even, over nine, but I could be wrong. Yeah. I'm not good with that I mean, if I mess. have like nine-year-old listeners, like, come on, let's go. <laughs> I know. Show yourself. We need to yourself. Um, come forth. Yeah. Uh, and, and honestly, even anyone born, you know, technically like from now until the end of the century still has Piscean lineage. Like if your parents were, you know, so you mm, still kind of mm-hmm. have it in you per se. It's going to oh, take wow. a while to kind of weed that out if you think about it. But the significance of why everyone's been buzzing about it as of right now is because, okay, so 2012, it was at December of 2012, 12, 12, uh, 12, 2012 activated. Then on 12, 2020, um, for the very first time since the age of Aquarius started, Jupiter, which is our planet of luck and prosperity, and Saturn, which we talked about, our planet of leadership, rules, contracts, moved into Aquarius for the very first time. So since 2012, those two planets have not been in Aquarius, and they are social planets. They deal with, you know, changing our economics, um, changing, you know, our leadership, really changing the way that we decide to show up for the world. So that's why everyone was buzzing so much because it was so significant. Not only did the two planets enter Aquarius in that moment, they literally did it at zero degrees, meaning they entered at the same time, Mm. which is also rare. Like when I was talking about that game board, planets are all over the place. It's not usual that they're like, okay, let's hold hands and, and start together. And that's what Jupiter and Saturn chose to do in Aquarius on that day. The numbers are also significant because we're seeing this like 12 energy carry forth. And then what's also really cool is um, in this upcoming month in February, there's going to be when we have the new moon in Aquarius, six planets will be in Aquarius for that um, three days. And that's like very significant as well to have six planets in Aquarius. So we're getting all these clues to be like, okay, Keep listening to what the Age of Aquarius wants us to do. Keep following your heart. What is your narrative? We can't keep entertaining and looking at the narratives outside of us that aren't feeding our truth, that aren't giving us true guidance, that are cutting us down, that are, you know, there's going to be forces that are going to continue to ask us to be distracted. And it's like, let's look at the big picture. Let's look at the truth. And then let's also see what work we have to do and see what our soul wants to do about it. Let's go back to that contract. Let's go back to that mission and see what part we want to play in this bigger collective when it comes to this idea of more harmony, a better humanity, and us like working together and not competing and fighting for the power anymore. So this is a big, yeah, that's, that's, it's a big, it's a big moment. It is. Yeah, it is a big moment. And you think just, you know, we're still in this pandemic, but 2020, you know, being this pause for people, it takes a pause like that, right? It takes a dark night of the soul for a lot of people to come forth from that and to say, wait, this isn't working for me anymore. I don't, I'm not 
enjoying my life. I don't like this job. I don't like this relationship. I don't like this, you know, the rules that the society has, whatever it may be. And you see people coming out from coming kind of out of their shell to be like, hi, guess what? I'm not going to take this anymore. Right. I'm coming out of this trance because I just remembered something about myself. I just remembered that actually I don't want to do this anymore. Actually, this probably isn't what I'm here for. Right. We talk about this notion of spiritual awakening. What we're waking up to is the idea of we woke up to ourselves, something inside of us said, hey, that's not you. Wake up. Right. And that's, you know, but the, the only way for us to really have this kind of global reset in the way we needed for the Aquarian age to move forward is something like, you know, a pandemic, so to speak, not to negate, though, you know, the hardship and the challenges and the struggles mm -hmm. that come from it. Um, it also represents this idea of time, time to kind of see where your boundaries are, see, you know, where you've been blinded, wake up to, you know, what is really going on behind the scenes and what we've been ignoring and not just personally, but also collectively from the space of social justice and the way that we've been treating each other and the way we've been overriding so many people and different racial systems for, for too long. And that's going to continue to be broken down with another shift. Pluto, which is our planet of great transformation and generational leaps of faith and, and moving into new territory is still going to be in Capricorn until 2024. And in 2024, it will move and it will join in Aquarius as well. So I think we still have, you know, some more time to kind of work through this. I, you know, I don't, as much as I'd love to say like, oh, we had that thing happen last month, the age of Aquarius, yay. I still think the next three years or four years rather are going to be three to four years are going to be really interesting in us getting our footing into what this could mean. Yeah, I've heard that from a lot of people. That same, no. Till 2024, I've heard that number a lot. In 2027, I've also heard that a lot from people. Those two, yeah. those two yeah. years being more significant in kind of seeing where is this all going? What right. is what does this all mean right now? Yeah. Um, thinking back to this crazy YouTube that I watched the other day, which is like this, what was that called? Something of 2020, the universe explained or something. I can't remember. But basically, it was talking about astrology and it was talking about the cycles that we go through but then it was, it was all it was talking about the different um like i don't want to call it like species but um mm -hmm. i guess you could call them different dimensions and different mm -hmm. worlds atlanteans polaris all this does any uh -huh. of does any of that mean anything to you absolutely um do you know which i mean i feel like you're from one of the dimensions if you know I don't really know which one I'm from. I'm still look trying to figure that out. I'd look up Arturian. Just look up Arturian and see what you think about mm, it. I love the mm -hmm. nugget you're giving me right now. Well, nugget. So yeah. <laughs> What's your, what are, what are, what are yours? So that's what, that's, that's fine. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit of Atlantis, but that's about it. So what we're talking about are these different dimensions um, that happened within our current realm so to speak so it's believed that earth has had many lifetimes as well this isn't the first time earth is doing it right earth has had past lives earth also has future lives and some of us have lived in the past lives of earth some of us lived in the future some of us lived in both some of us are brand spanking new right so um when we look at these different dimensions or timelines like lumerian and um these different kind of uh dimensional energies, they all have stories to tell and they all have patterns to present to us. And so when we look at those patterns, we can look at them for clues into like how we need to kind of watch out for this earth in this current time. Um, we can also look at the future ones to say, okay, this is what they got 
right? How can we apply that now? And so the more that, and again, this is where technology is really helping us because technology, we're able to learn from each other around this kind of stuff, where before a lot of it was just downloads or feelings or kind of word of mouth. Now we have more intel into really being able to study this and look at trends and kind of um, study frequencies to help us get more evidence around these different lost civilizations that were on this earth. Yeah. And I'm sure when you first started getting into the woo, that was not the first thing you were like, I'm going to look at Lumerians and Artur. So how did that, how did that sort of like progress? Progress. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, astrology and buying like my first clear quartz crystal. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm very, I am curious, you know, I know, no, we don't have all the time in the world, but I am, that part really is is fascinating to me how everyone's unique individual journey into getting more information. Yeah, I, for me, what what um, I actually asked for it. So when I had my when I was shifting through my Saturn return and opening up into self help and getting back in touch with astrology, I was in Philly, and I kept saying there's got to be more. Like I, I did studies with the Shambhala Center, Buddhist studies, meditation, and I just felt like I was kind of like hitting a wall with. Um, and this was back in 2011, I want to say. Um, I was kind of hitting a wall, interesting, right before the current age of like more places to discover within Philadelphia. And I kept saying like, show me. And then my job was like, we're transferring you to New York City. I was like, oh, okay. I didn't connect the two, to be honest. I was like, I was like, I guess, I don't know. I was kind of struggling with if I wanted to go or not, but I was like, you know, I'm just going to go and do it. And then literally like in moving to New York City, I was given like grad school in all of this. Um, You know, I I lived a block away from a metaphysical bookstore that had workshops all the time on different, you know, I started with tarot and then I started doing Reiki and then I started Kundalini yoga. And then from Kundalini yoga, I started learning about activation codes. And then I, you know, you just start, you know, um, Abraham Hicks and you just, I was just exposed to all of it. Like I, you know, I worked for Gabby Bernstein for a few years. When you work with her, you kind of line up with a lot of different people. Um, And so the more and more I just, followed the path, the more teachers and stories and things just kind of came to me and they just started clicking so quickly also. Like it was just so easy to take in the information, right? Um, Then in the beginning where it's like, I really sat with it and almost like flashcard energy of like, I gotta memorize this. And that's one thing I will say, like do not feel like you need to memorize this. This is something, whether whatever modality you pick, embody it, you know, reflect on it read on it, but like, don't feel like you have to memorize it. Don't feel like you have to get it exactly the way the teacher is telling you. Just allow yourself to take it in, receive, use your imagination and just journal, like see what you feel from it. And the more that you do that, the more things actually start to click because it's like a hidden language that you're discovering. And it's not through the language that we know. It's not through written text all the time. It's a felt sensory kind of language. Yeah. Definitely. And we're again, we're coming from a space of, you know, traditional education being this is how we learn, right? We learn by memorization and and people giving us the facts, taking those facts and then just spitting them out. And then it's like a game of telephone because who knows really the origin of those facts? Pretty wild to think about. I've been thinking about that a lot lately. Um, Yeah. But this idea of that we all have, and I truly do believe this, we all have the ability to heal ourselves and to know what is in our best interest and what we we need. And that doesn't that does not negate like working with people and learning from others. But 
let go of the fact that like Danielle is your savior. Like if you work with Danielle, she is going to be the one who is going to make it all better for you. Right. And I think we, we were in that age of the guru and looking to someone and, and literally praising them and, um, and letting them have all the power. But we, you're, you're your own guru. Totally. And I say that as a triple Leo, I'm like, please do not worship me. Right. Yeah, that's hard for a Leo. (laughs) But um, yeah, no, it's absolutely true. And again, like I've I've seen so many teachers and individuals and speakers in this this wheelhouse, and to see the people the way that they would just throw themselves like like they were rock stars, and it's like no, that's not the path, right? The path is take what feels good, leave the rest, and and keep going. Yeah. We've been talking a lot about manifestation, abundance for people, and everybody has their unique take on it and what they do for themselves. I would love to hear how that has been activated for you in your life. Sure. Uh, You know, manifestation, abundance, it takes a lot of layers. They're definitely buzzwords right now, right? Mm -hmm. Why do you um, think that they're buzzwords right now? They're buzzwords because um, we, we kind of treat a little bit like a lottery ticket. Like we love the idea of spirituality and we love the idea of, oh, could this give me something overnight? Could this help me bypass all my pain and all my worries and all my trouble and all my debt um, if I just hold this citrine long enough, right? If I just say this mantra, if I just do this prayer, if I just say like, I want this um, so bad, universe, give it to me. But it's like the universe isn't Santa Claus. You can't just write your wish list and submit it. Um, and, and just expect it's just gonna fall into your lap. It might, but you might be waiting for a really long time. And so my take on manifestation, abundance, it's absolutely possible, it's beautiful, it's an extension of you, right? When you're manifesting, you're manifesting your truth inside of you that you are so in alignment with. And the manifestation, the abundance that you're witnessing is just an extension of showing where you are, your vibration. Your vibration is in is an energetic match for the thing that you received. Now, how do you get there though? That's the question, right? So if what you're manifesting is an energetic match, how do I become an energetic match? Well, we got to clear the things that aren't an energetic match. So what I like to say is like, you have this wishing well, and it's a beautiful wishing well, it's gold and lovely, and it has this beautiful bucket. um, And you throw your your pennies in the wishing well, and you're like, I wish for this, I wish for this, I wish for this. And you're like, great. And then it takes its bucket and it goes down to the bottom of the wishing well, and it starts to pull all the things that hold you back, where you don't think you're good enough, that childhood story, that person that bullied you, that guy that broke up with you, it pulls it all out. And it's like, this is still down here. And unless you want me to really remove it, unless you want to do the work to clear this story, I can't bring your manifestation to life. So I think true manifestation is getting to the root of the thing that you want and what might hold you back. Because otherwise you're saying, I want this, I want this, I want this. While another part of you is saying, don't give it to me, don't give it to me, don't give it to me. So we've got to clear out the things that we don't want and be willing to go on that journey to find support to help you, to you know find the tools, to go to the space of this is what could get in my way. And then from there, we start to open up to what's possible because those things aren't at the bottom of the well anymore and like mucky and gross. We have space. And from that space, we can allow it to happen. Now, it still might not happen overnight, but that's when you get to put in your wish list, right? That's when you get to put in your order. And again, don't hunt down the warehouse or the delivery driver to try to get it, right? Like when you put in an order online, especially lately with the post office and everything, like it's going to come when it comes, right? They're getting there as fast as they can. They know that you want it. They've heard your order. Please stop bugging them. Do not bug them. Know that it will arrive. So I think, you know, step one, get really clear on what could be holding you back, 
What are you a vibrational match for from there? And then be patient as you allow yourself to receive it. And that I think is the, the way that manifestation works best for me anyway. How's it been for you over the years with, you know, having your wishes come true? Yeah. I mean, I said, I wanted to, um, leave, I was getting ready to leave Philadelphia and then my landlord sold my building. So that, that worked out well. And you also Um, have to take notice of some of this stuff, because I think that these things happen for people and they actually aren't like opening their eyes to seeing what is happening for your highest good, because it doesn't happen in the way that we may think it might in the way of a scratch off ticket and winning a million dollars. Like it's not, it's not in that way. Yeah, we have to be observational. We have to be curious. In the case of my landlord giving me that notice, prior to that, I had been saying, I'm not showing up in a way that feels really good to me. Just being virtual, living in this house is not working. I'm not able to fully do what I'm capable of doing. I didn't really know what the answer was. In my head, the answer was, well, I'll just write it out to my leases up the end of March. And then I'll, I'll find somewhere to move. That's what I kept thinking in my head. But I didn't really focus on that too much because that's not the best use of me. That's my analytical mind. But my subconscious mind was working around the idea of what's a better use of Danielle? What's a better use of Danielle? Danielle wants to grow. Danielle wants to be more expansive, better expressed. Let's cue the landlord selling the unit. Cue the yeah. music. Exactly. <laughs> oh, like often they view the landlord getting an amazing idea. I know. <laughs> I love it. You know, um, tell me about this um, crystal activation energy you're going to be doing in Savannah, your next roads trip you're taking. Yeah. yeah. So on um, the 25th of January, I'll be in Savannah. I love Savannah. So one thing we didn't talk about, but with astrology, you can also see what planets were over certain places in the world when you were born. And so when I was born, Venus was over uh, Savannah. So Savannah is on my Venus line. Um, so it already has this really juicy energy for me. Like when I'm there, I just feel like everyone's opening the door for me. Things are easy. Oh, you want an extra drink on the house? It's like very much that energy. Um, so I already love it for that reason. And the Marriott of all places opened up a hotel right on the riverfront that has huge crystal rooms with giant exhibits, exhibition. I can never say the word exhibitions, right? Mm-hmm. Exhibit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Big rooms with ginormous, I mean, I literally, when I was there in August, I was elated. My jaw was dropping. I have never seen so many crystals in one space in my life. So- Who um, owns them? Why are they there in this hotel? I remember asking the concierge and I think I was just so buzzed I wasn't even fully listening. So I will find <laughs> out when I'm there or-, or This is your I'm version happy. of when I was little and would go to, um, what was that ginormous toy store in New York City? FAO Schwartz. FAO Schwartz. <laughs> It was literally, it is, that is the best equivalent. It is like the toy store of crystals and you, and there's a gift shop too. I did wind up buying a very big one. Um, So I will be there. I booked a space and I'll be holding a virtual crystal activation and it's working with the codes within Citrine. So it's called the Citrine Codes, Unearthing Your True Abundance. And we'll be going through an experience to really go to those stories. Like I was talking about what is in the bottom of your wishing well? What is your relationship look like with money? A lot of times if money were to show up at your door, it might not look as pretty as you think. It might look kind of tired, stressed out, abused, right? We got to fluff up and and revive our relationship with money so it'll be an opportunity to really work with our own unique abundance codes that live within us and then work with the crystal and citrine energy to help bring forth and activate more abundance so we'll be doing that um, in a virtual workshop setting the replay will be available and then the following day i'll be doing a distant energy healing working with um 
clear quartz to help with any mental fog, brain fog. So it's a great opportunity to kind of be in a hot spot with me, so to speak, um, and work with the energy of the crystals and receive some distant healing and also some really great activations and aha moments um, to help work through your abundant mindset. Yeah. And quickly on the distant healing part and the fact that, you know, this isn't obviously with the times we're in, this is not an experience where you can go to Savannah and be with Danielle, but this stuff works. It transcends time and space, um, which I think is important for people to know. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So, you know, I have my own system that I developed over the past few years to do my own distant energy healing. Everyone, it basically, it works that I'm able to account for everybody individually and then also work with the group energy. So it kind of dances between the two. So everyone will kind of have their needs met in the best way possible. I love citrine. It's so, yeah, it's a yum. It's always been like a yummy crystal to me since I was like a teenager. I used to wear a lot of citrine when I was young. I just, it's just a beautiful, it's a beautiful stone. Um, just quickly, I was thinking about where your Venus lines run, because I didn't know this about astrology in terms of where you might be best suited to live and be. And that was really interesting when we had he and I had our charts done after I left the left the business. And I was like, OK, so is there a place that might be because we want to leave Philadelphia? Is there a place that might be better suited for us and our Venus? Both of ours crossed in two places that we love. One is Big Island, Hawaii. Amazing. Which is interesting because we had our honeymoon there. And when we were there, okay. we were like, this is one of the most magical places. And just quickly, a story, because I think it's interesting, the, the woman we met when we were at that. Yeah, we were at, we were eating lunch one day after a hike. And um, this woman came up to us and she was like, I moved here 40 years ago. And when I, I came here on vacation and I was, you know, in a restaurant just like this. And somebody came up to me and said, you were meant to stay here. And she never left. And she was like, and I think you guys have the same thing. You're meant to be here. I love it. And then finding out the Venus crossing in Big Island. And then the other one is Northern California for us, which is probably where we are going to end up. That's where we're going. And it's a little easier than the Big Island, guys. (laughs) It's easier to get to the Big Island from Northern Cali. 100%. Six hours is a big difference than 13 hours from where we are right now. For sure. No, yeah. I love exploring that. And that's part of how I'm kind of craft. So I guess I do have a little bit of a plan. It's part of how I'm crafting my journey right now with the short term places that I'm going, kind yeah. of hitting deadlines. When you go somewhere, just for all the listeners out there, some places you go and you're like, this just feels good for me. And there are yeah. places that I've been that other people are like, this is my happy place. And I'm like, this is not my happy place. Like, for sandbars for me, like when people are in the Caribbean and they're like, oh, I love it. Some-. I'm like, this is not for me. Like, I feel yeah. like a fish out of water here. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it's just that's an interesting thing for people. So definitely, um, if you're interested, where can people find you? How can they get in touch with doing this workshop with you? So the easiest way is just go to DanielleMercurio.com. Go right to my site. You'll see a link to the activation or any other virtual workshops I hold. I offer astrology sessions as well. There's a link to that there. So basically just myname.com. I'm also usually promoting on Instagram as well. Um, My name is my handle, Danielle Mercurio. Yeah, check out Danielle on Instagram. Love listening to you talk about all this stuff. You express it so well. It's really wonderful. Thank well, thanks you. for coming on to the WooCast. This is so awesome. Yeah, thank you so much. You're so welcome. It's so much fun.